Love that last line. Love so amazing, so divine. Let me, let me start there. Agree or disagree? <laughs> uh, loving someone is the, the hardest thing for a person to do. Loving someone is the hardest thing for a person to do. Now, if you're thinking of those loved ones that uh, maybe you're sitting with or maybe you've got some kids, uh, maybe you've got a spouse, maybe you've got a best friend, uh, a classmate that you love, and maybe you think to yourself, not really. Seems kind of uh, easy to do that. Um, never really thought it was hard to, you know, pick up a phone and meet up with my friend who I haven't seen in a long time and uh, just get some cup of coffee and catch up right where we left off. It seems kind of effortless. Um, maybe your relationship with your spouse, loving them, seems pretty easy. doesn't seem that difficult. Maybe uh, your friends and whatnot. You love hanging out with your friends, right? Uh, whether it's playing sports or whether it's going to see a movie or just, just chilling, just hanging out. Um, doesn't seem that difficult. But what about those people that you don't like? You know who I'm talking about, <laughs> right? Uh, what about the people in your life whose personality is maybe just frustrating and you think, why do you have to be that way? Why are you the way you are? people who maybe have hurt you, or harder yet, um, maybe someone that you love, you poured in time and effort and energy, relation with, and they hurt you back. Agree or disagree, loving someone is the hardest thing to do. You might have to say to that, well, it all depends. It all depends on who it is that we're actually talking about loving. And that's why I'm really glad that we have this story right here to go over today. Because we get to see that the who doesn't really matter when it comes to Jesus, when it comes to our God, when it comes to his mission. And we couldn't be more thankful for that, which I'll elaborate on later. We're, we're carrying on in this, this series, and, and really during this Lent season, you know, sometimes we... Uh, we know the story. We know the drill. Lent comes. Ash Wednesday kicks off. The colors change. The journey to the cross. And, and we've heard the story probably, at least many of us have probably heard the story again and again and again. Um, which is why it's really good that we get to slow down. And on these days, really like almost take a magnifying glass out and look at a text, so to speak, to give us a, a unique, a different perspective on something. Because... While there's maybe a lot of us who could, I guess, give a brief description of the shorthand of the cross, uh, Jesus' story to the cross, how he came, Christmas, his, his baptism, transfer, you know, all the way up to the cross, we could give that, um, we could tell people, you know, well, here's what the cross means. We could tell people, well, here's what the gospel means, that he loves everybody. Let's focus on who that everybody actually is. Let's take a look at who it is and how difficult this love really is. And I, I promise you that, that if you see this story for what it really is, you may look at Jesus' love entirely different and just see how difficult it was, but also how otherworldly, how beautiful it was. And then for us to have any hope to love in this way, the only way that's possible is if we allow our hearts to be melted, to be softened by this love of Christ. That's the only way that we can show this kind of love. 
Now, what's so great about this story? Well, let's kick it off with the first verse here. First verse, Luke tells us, at that time, some Pharisees came to Jesus and said to him, leave this place and go somewhere else. Herod wants to kill you. So what's happening is Jesus is just carrying on his regular ministry, healing people, preaching, teaching, that sort of thing. And he's probably in the region of Galilee. That's kind of like if you think of uh, northeastern Israel. And one of the rulers there was this guy named Herod. I believe this was Herod Antipas. And essentially, these Pharisees come to Jesus and say, hey, did you know that there is a, uh, a death threat out for you? You better get out of Dodge. And the truth is that there was probably a, a genuine truth to this threat. Uh, this is the same Herod who killed Jesus' cousin, John the Baptist. Not only had him in prison, but then later on beheaded and had his head served on a platter, literally, at a, at a party. And so if he did that to one of God's prophets, um, you can imagine that, yeah, likely this threat would be genuine. So it kind of seems, okay, wow, well, there's a death threat out on Jesus. Well, thanks for the concern. But it wasn't necessarily a genuine concern. Uh, It was the Pharisees who brought this to him. And if you read through your Bibles, if you read through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, almost every single encounter that Jesus has with the Pharisee is a negative one. It's a negative one because of their hard hearts, their pride, their stubbornness. It's a negative one because they see Jesus swaying the influence of people over to him, away from them, the the power they feel like is getting sucked away from them. They can't stand that. And they hear Jesus preaching things like forgiveness of sins, going to the the, the socially uh, immoral, if you will, and they say, okay, if this guy's a man of God and he's hanging out with sinners, this, this can't possibly be. And he's turning everything that they believe and teach and know upside down. And so they're constantly going to him. They're constantly going to him with attacks. They're constantly going to him, trying to trap him and everything. And yet Jesus, every single time, sees their conversation for what it is, constantly pokes holes in their arguments, constantly shows them the hypocrisy of their ways, but not to be a jerk. He's not arguing with them just to argue, just because he loves to debate, and he, but he's loving them. And in their situation with their hard hearts, with their pride, he has to show them how far away from God's kingdom you really are, and it's a call to repentance. And every time they don't want to listen, but that doesn't stop Jesus. And so right here, they're kind of sick, they're kind of done with Jesus. Jesus just okay, look, there's a death threat, there's a bounty out for your head, okay, so why don't you just leave, why don't you just get out of here, why don't you just go somewhere else and just stop everything that you're doing? And how does Jesus respond? He replied, well, go, go tell that fox, that, that sly king, okay, I will keep on driving out demons and healing people today and tomorrow, and on the third day, I will reach my goal. In any case, I must press on today and tomorrow, and the next day. For surely no prophet can die outside of Jerusalem. He essentially says, I'm not going to be intimidated. I'm not going to be bullied. There are no amounts of threats that will keep me from carrying out my mission, from loving people, from doing what I came to do. And, and there was this 
specific group of people that he mentioned. Did you, did you notice it right here? He said, I will keep on driving out demons and healing people, referring to the ministry that he was doing. And he's essentially saying, I'm not going to stop doing that. You can't threaten me to keep me from doing that. And if you think about it, it's something that uh, we find really admirable in people, right? People who don't back down and who go, go into hardships or, or endure hardships for the, for the sake of the, uh, the underprivileged. Um, the, those in unfortunate circumstances, right? Demon-possessed people, he said. Like, think about that for a second. We have Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. We have Gospels filled with these stories of people who were there, but they weren't there, right? They're, it's their body, but they're not in control of it. There is a, a real demon who has possessed them. There's, he's stripped them of their life. This demon has stripped them of their family. There's, it's horrible. And every single time that Jesus comes along and casts that demon out, what's the reaction? Relief, right? Like, putting it mildly, they're relieved. They're, they're so happy. They're, they fall at Jesus' feet, so to speak. They realize, like, I needed you. I need you more than just to save my body. I need you to save my soul, right? They understand the power that Jesus has. And then the, the healing, right? He says, I got to go and heal people. Um, think of all the different healing miracles that Jesus has done. Again, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, all these Gospels filled with uh, times where Jesus uh, healed a blind man, healed a deaf and mute man, healed a paralyzed man, right? Healed a leper. There was a woman who had suffering from hemorrhages and bleeding for 18 years, healed her. There was, just before this in Luke chapter 12, there's this woman who was hunched over essentially like this for, for 12 years, I think, 12 years, Unable, you just have to walk around like, I cannot imagine what it would be like to do that. And then Jesus healed her, able to stand up straight, breathe regularly for the first time in her life, or at least for the first time in who knows how long. I mean, all of these different miracles, and, and you say, wow, this is absolutely incredible. And Jesus didn't do it just to show off the raw display of his power, but he always used it to point to a greater need, right? To point to him as their Messiah. And he says, I've got to keep doing this. Like, there are so many people who need me, and so I am not going to be bullied. I'm not going to be threatened. I'm not going to be intimidated. I'm going to continue on in my mission. And usually when we think of the cross, when we think of Jesus' ministry, those are the people that we think of. But do we think about the other group that Jesus talks about? Do we think about the people that did not fit into that category of welcoming Jesus' love? Because Jesus said it at the end there. He said, no prophet can die outside of Jerusalem. And then he goes on to say this. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those who sent you, how often I have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, and you were not willing. Who else is Jesus going on his mission for? He says, Jerusalem, which is uh, simply a metaphor for the hard-hearted, stubborn, religious people who were going to reject him, 
just like their ancestors who were hard-hearted and stubborn, thinking they were close and good with God, and they weren't. Jesus says, those people who reject me, who hate me, who want to have nothing to do with me, and who he ultimately knows will kill him. And he says, there is no amount of bullying, there is no amount of threats, there is no amount of intimidation that will keep me from loving them and going to die for them, even at their hands. If you're taking notes, what it shows us is this point. Jesus' love is a determined love. Like there is nothing that's going to deter him away, not even death. Like rejection at their hands. His love is determined. It's, it's unwavering. It's what resolute. How does your love compare? And I think sometimes when we, we think of that kind of first group of people that Jesus talks about, those in the unfortunate circumstances, right? And I think in the news today, what do you, what do you think of? Ukraine. Smaller country uh, against a much larger country. I don't know all the facts and reasons why this war happened, but it seems to be a uh, popular opinion that it's rather quite unjust. And a military from Russia that just continues to pour in its resources and military might into the borders of Ukraine, and, and the world just stands back and looks and watches, and it's, it's horrified, and, it's, and their heart's broken, right? You see the, you, you, these people, you'll never know them, you will never meet them most likely, but, but yet your heart breaks. You see the images of the, the missile strikes, you see the videos of cities being bombed and shell-shocked, right? You see the, the clips of refugees trying to leave Ukraine by the hundreds of thousands, right? And collectively, the world just, they breaks, th their heart goes out, the compassion, and, and we love, we, we send so much money and resources and all these different funds, all these different ways, right? We just, we just do that. And, and so what that does is it, it says, okay, who is like that in my neck of the woods? Who is there, someone in a maybe bad, unfortunate set of circumstances that I could serve? Maybe not overseas, but right here around me. Who is it in my life that I could love who's maybe in a, a, a harder spot, right? And isn't it amazing that while you maybe have never received a death threat, you don't need to because it takes a whole lot less to deter our love, doesn't it? How many times have you had an opportunity to show love to someone? And then you thought, ah, that'd be really inconvenient, though. You know, I would stop, I would help, I would change my schedule, but my schedule is just, I, it's so packed full, and I, I, yeah, I could do it, but I wouldn't have any time for me. It would be really inconvenient, it would be super uncomfortable, it would be very difficult, and I could help them out with this money, but I could also use this money, and, I, and then I could use it for this. Right? I mean, you could just go through a, a number of things. It's almost like we're looking constantly for excuses not to help. It's almost like we're constantly looking for excuses not to love someone else. And not just that, but then think about if you were to help someone, and they were just going to throw it back in your face. 
think you'd love that person. Like, if I were going to tell you, okay, so this is so-and-so, and and, uh, he really needs a lot of help, but just understand that after you pour in, like, a whole day's worth, he's not going to thank you. He might even curse you out, and he wants nothing to do with you. You would probably say that is the worst volunteer pitch I have ever heard, Pastor. I am no way I'm going to do that, right? If you had a neighbor that you just wanted to help out, and he was just a jerk the entire time, would you— you would think to yourself, that's a waste of time. They're just going to reject me. They're going to hurt me. No way am I going to do that, which is so striking that when you understand what Jesus knows is going to happen, and he continues to go as anyways. He knows that when he gets to Jerusalem, these people that he is coming for are going to reject him. I'm going to go. I'm still going to love them. It's so different than our love. So if I were to summarize the problem with our love, our hearts, our hearts, our love, it's conditional all the time. At least it seems like it's all the time. It always depends on who the other person is, right? To summarize how I would put this, we genuinely love three different types of people. People who like us, people who are like us, and people we want to like us, right? Like people who like us, they, they do things, they, they do us some favors. So yeah, sure, of course, uh, I like them too, and I'm going to continue to do favors. We'll keep this relationship going. People who are like us, well, maybe we're in the same uh, job, maybe we have the same interests, maybe we have the same socioeconomic standing, we can tolerate one another. So yeah, of course, we'll get along, we'll, we'll, we'll love each other. And then there's someone that I want to li- ha- them to like me, so I'm going to try to do things to sway their influence, to try to audition for them to like me. And besides the fact that this is incredibly self-centered and selfish, what do you do with the people who don't fit in that category? The people who are on the outside, I know what you do, because I do it too. You know, someone hurts you, they wrong you, they offend you somehow. How many times have you said, fine, if that's how you're going to treat me, I'm going to treat you that way too, which we tell our kids, you know, that's no way to treat people, and yet we, we do it all the time. How many times have you caught your heart saying, they don't deserve it? You look at what they've done, you look at their track record, you, you look at someone like that and you just think, no. No, they don't deserve my love, as if your love is something, oh, so precious and it's only given out to the worthy people because people have to interview for your love. Really? Could you imagine if Jesus treated us that way? If Jesus came to love those who deserved it? He wouldn't love you. So, you know, in my word, it says that when you love other people, you are really reflecting your love for me. So when you hate in spite other people, what do you think it does to me? If Jesus loved us the way we love people, he would never have gone to Jerusalem because he never would have even come from heaven to earth. But he would have looked at the Father and he would have said, love them. They don't deserve it. Let them rot and die in their sins and the mess they made. See, that's hard. 
loving not just people that we like, but loving the way God calls us to love. It's so difficult. Our hearts are the problem. Our hearts get so hard, but our last point today, the harder our hearts get, the harder his heart beats for us. And you see it right here in this lesson. One more time. Jerusalem, Jerusalem. You who killed the prophets and stoned those sent to you, how often I have longed to gather your children together. Now, it is hard to convey tone in written speech. If you've ever had an email given to you or you read a text and you may think like, oh, did they put an exclamation mark? They didn't put any punctuation here. They didn't put an LOL. There's no emoji. How do I take this, right? It is hard to convey speech. There's no real uh, exclamation points in Greek, but he speaks so emphatically here that like if you were to try to capture this in a Hollywood movie, you almost get the sense that Jesus kind of turns away, kind of looks in the direction of Jerusalem, and he just, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. He knows what's coming. He knows what's there. And it's this bittersweet, this, this pain, this heartbreaking, but also this longing for them. It, it comes out, out on his words. He knows exactly who they are. He knows exactly what they're going to do for him. He knows exactly how they're going to reject him and kill him. And he goes. His heart just longs for it and beats for them. He goes. He's, he's heartbroken, but nonetheless, he goes. Like to a people who are going to hate him and condemn him to death. And he has no ounce of, of hatred for them. But he goes. <laughs> to a people to the point where they would yell out, crucify him, crucify him, nail him to the tree, the cross, and, and mock him and jeer him and insult him the entire way. And Jesus does not speak one ounce of vengeance, but instead says, Father, do not hate them. Forgive them. That is a determined love. To love no matter who, to love no matter the cost. And he was determined to love that way because he knows we don't. He knows we haven't. And so he decided, I'm going to take their responsibility. I'm going to take the responsibility of your lack of love onto me. I'm going to go know that I'm going to die. And I'm not just going to die, but I'm going to die in your place. I'm going to suffer what you really deserve so that you can have what you don't. My love. And, and you can hear his heart beating for you in this. Not Jerusalem, Jerusalem, but put your name there. Kendall. Kendall. I long for you. I want nothing more than to have you. And so I'm going to do whatever it takes and as many times as you've rejected me and my word and my will, I'm still going to go.
I long to bring you under my cross, to bring you under my care, under my protection, because it's right here that you find a love that this world does not know, a love that does not just love friends, but a love that loves all people, the world, enemies. Because that's what you were, but not anymore. He's made you a friend. He's forgiven all of your sins. He has shown you what that real love looks like, what that unconditional, otherworldly, beautiful love looks like. Jesus Christ. His mission to the cross. Not just for some people, but for all people. Not just for those likable people, but when we were so unlikable. (laughs) He went nonetheless. It's there that you find a love a greatest love of all, because scripture says greater love has no one than this, than that he lay his, down, his life down for his friends. And that's what he did for you. His pain, your gain. Amen.